Welcome to the May Road Show, episode number 211. My name is John Morgan. Cole Coffee is here with me in Atlanta, Georgia for UFC 236. That said, Cole Coffee is off to the side over there getting a little work done. He's grinding. <laughs> <laughs> so instead, I have asked to join me MMA junkies Mike Bond and the Mac Lies Oscar Willis, two very familiar voices if you've listened to this show before. And uh, listen, I want to get to UFC 236, guys, because that's really what we're here to do. But I do believe that this TJ Dillashaw news is so big, I kind of feel like we got to yeah. start out with it because I feel like this thing is not only massive in what happened, but massive in the way people are reacting to it, man. I mean, it has remained huge news, and the criticism has been so loud and so outspoken. I mean, uh, Joe Rogan was was overly critical. Uh, uh, Matt Serra today coming out with this expletive-laden rant as well. And, I mean, that's that's on – that's on UFC State Radio right there. I mean, you know what I mean? They, they, could, they could put a stop to that real quick if they wanted to, and, and they definitely didn't. So I don't know, guys. I want to ask you because, I, listen, I, I am on the bandwagon that, yes, I mean, I'm incredibly disappointed to find out that the, the, the TJ Dillashaw tested for EPO because this is not something where he could say tainted supplement. This is not something where, oh, man, that you find that in ground beef. You know what I mean? Like you have to inject this into your veins. So I think that says a lot for why TJ basically has not argued, has not made a statement, has just accepted his sanctions. But what I want to ask you guys is, and we'll start with you, Oscar, is like, do you have a theory or an idea or an understanding why it seems like this is the moment that everybody has decided to come out and go, hell yeah, we got to take care of these cheaters yeah. when it seems like we've heard this over and over? Is it is it because he's a champ? Is it because people just don't like the guy? Is it because it's EPO? I mean, get, get, what do you think it is? Well, it's a little bit of a little bit of the above, right? So I think people, if he'd have failed for like testosterone or maybe a, like a generic state like Duranibar or something like that. I don't think it'd get this much. I think EPO, Lance Armstrong, it's this this crazy, oh my God, that makes you right. superhuman. So I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is he was just so damn good. If yeah. he was someone like low on the roster, they wouldn't be getting all this shit. It's TJ Dillashaw. He's so good. He's like, and the way he fights is so flashy. And then it's like, because of the drug in question, it's all about cardiovascular. So like, yep. well, he, that's why he was that good. So I think that's part two. And then part three is a pretty divisive guy, really. Yeah. I, I actually think one of the reasons why he's being so heavily criticized is because he's renowned as this insanely competitive guy. And now it's like, oh, and, you know, it just, it's not a good look. People have said, you know, I think yourself has earlier said to me that Chael, you know, he, he part, but, and he's really the only one he's ever got away with. <laughs> just that. walked. He just, nope. Nobody cares. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good, Chael. Undefeated, undisputed. But it's like, <laughs> he, he just owned up to it. And I think, TJ hasn't been helped by the fact that his coaches have basically come out and said, and I understood his coaches were going to come out and say, right. oh, we support him. But they based, their statement said to me, like, yeah, we knew. You know? Right. I mean, you can't say that, but like, that's the under sort of tone I took. Yep. Um, and what his strength and conditioning coaches' statement was, um, wow. I've just about finished it now. It was uh, a statement. <laughs> For a man, a few words, it was quite a statement. But yeah, so in, in, in summary, yeah, I think the reason why TJ's being so heavily criticized is he was so good, he was already a bit divisive, and he's an easy guy to dislike, and it's the dragon question. It's all of the above. Mike, what about you? I mean, do you feel like we're, are, are we reaching a turning point where people actually care or want to do something? Or again, is this just people just, yeah, nailing TJ Dillashaw? Yeah, I think it's that. And obviously, 
he, I don't want to say he has like a reputation, but there's obviously been some accusations thrown his way. Um, he has a fighting style, which I think if you take that out of the equation, you kind of look at the optics of what EPO does for you. You can kind of say, you know, so much of his success could stem from that. We don't know how long he's allegedly been on it, right? But look at some of his finishes in the UFC, you know, fourth round finishes, fifth round knockouts and stuff like that comes from a certain ability to push the pace. And that's when you can really hurt a person in there. Like Justin Gaethje has said multiple times, like I want more money for five round fights because if something bad is going to happen to me in that octagon, it's going to be in the fourth or fifth round. So like, and that's when TJ has shown to do a lot of his best work. So he's just kind of an easy target in that sense. And it's kind of like an outrage. He's knocked out a lot of guys. He's finished a lot of guys and it just raises questions over all of it. And he's made himself an extremely easy target in that sense, especially, you know, he's made it very clear. Like Oscar said, he's extremely competitive. He'll, do anything to win apparently literally, <laughs> literally in that sense. so yeah. like I, I don't know it's it didn't work out for him in the last one obviously but yeah he's just the, his entire personality the accusations that have been thrown his way it just makes it really easy to pour on the guy right now it does man i'll tell you what you know this thing is still kind of ongoing and still developing i mean i think that tj just wanted to keep it as quiet as possible i wonder if you saw wanted to keep it as quiet as possible now because you know earlier today as i was thinking about what we we're going to talk about tonight i, I was going to ask you guys you know, what do you think about Cody Garbrandt, man? Should he push to make sure that we get more test on? Should we? And and, and I was going to say, dude, if I'm Cody Garbrandt, maybe I'm even telling uh, USADA, like, hey, I'll pay for it. Like, I will pay yeah, for this yeah. testing. Don't worry about it. If it's going to be if it's going to be expensive, I'll pay for it. And I, and I really thought about that. And then, sure enough, in the time between when I thought we'd start talking and the time we sat down tonight, uh, Ali Abdelaziz, his manager, and Cody are tweeting, I guess, that they wanted USADA to test the urine. And USADA told him there is no urine to test, and this stuff is supposed to be stored and kept. And, uh, again, this is kind of all developing and breaking, and, and, and I imagine we'll see Jeff Nowitzki this weekend, and hopefully yeah. we can we can ask him a little bit. But if that's the case, if they're not keeping this urine that I thought they were supposed to be keeping, that's that's a problem. I see. It's a, it's a huge controversy. And, and, again, not one they need right on the back of the John Jones thing either. But, in, in my opinion, it's almost – as bad as it would be another bumbling. Well, that I mean that John Jones thing was mishandled. Yeah, it's mishandled. But this would be, in my opinion, probably even worse because they they built this whole USADA reputation on. And by the way, they have a biological passport. We've got all your shit from years ago that we can go back and test. And there's always been this sort of threat to fighters like, well, I can't cheat now because even if I can pass a test now, in five years they can come back and test right. me. And, and it's Cody versus TJ was not that long ago, right? You know, and it's well and good to say, oh, we didn't have the money to keep it on ice. But that's a title fight. If you're going to keep any of them on ice, Those. probably keep the title fight. Especially the title fight where one of them's already accused the other one of taking the drug that you eventually called him for. And Cody said that he asked for extra testing behind the scenes. If that guy was so concerned that not only did he say something in a in a press conference in front of everybody, which made yes. him look kind of silly, if he was willing to do that, and if he told you behind the scenes that he's scared and that he wants you to hang on to it, and you, or not hang on to it, but test them additionally, and you didn't bother to hang on to it? Dude, that's a problem. And, and I'm not this tinfoil hat guy. Like, I like the USADA thing. I, I really do. Okay. I, think it's, I, I think it's a good program. But, again, the program is only as good as the people that are executing it. You know what I mean? you you got to have the right system in place. But if that's the case, if they've told us this, Mike, isn't that – isn't that – I mean, that bothers me. Yeah, it's problematic. I mean, this – doesn't seem like the first time that we've kind of heard one thing and it's gone the other way. I can't, you know, lay out all the examples, but yeah, it's, it seems like one of those things with USADA, it's kind of like we 
make the rules up as we go in some yes. sense and we kind of do things as we go and as they evolve and you know someone questions a thing here and it's oh you know it's actually this way instead of this way and it's like it it doesn't have the best look I, um and i can imagine as a fighter that must be extremely frustrating and somewhat confusing and everything and yeah, I mean, th this is something, obviously, it's been around for a long time now, and they're still learning and growing, which I understand. It's not like there's programs like this for, you know, any sort of extremely comparable situation. Obviously, they do drug testing for, like, the Olympic level and stuff mm -hmm. like that, but that's different. Um, for this, yeah, it's just, it's a little disappointing. I can imagine being in Cody's shoes right now. He must just be... But, like, he also had the power at one point. He was the champion going into that first fight. If he was so damn sure that TJ Dillashaw was on something and USADA or whoever wouldn't do the extra testing or wouldn't follow his suggestions, he could have not taken the fight. Like he, he could have done that, and obviously that would have made... Come on, man. That of would, course, of course. That on. would make him look bad. He would get all the outrage, but if this was going to happen to TJ at some point, he would have been vindicated. But don't they have a tip line? So is it because he didn't call the right number? Like, is it because he didn't publish? They didn't test? Like, if that's... If they apparently, especially on the John Jones agreement, was that he gives them information, right. uh, information unspecified. But if that's how they resolve things, is like we have a lot of tips, and that's what gets us information. He gave them the biggest tip in the world. He, he even specified the drug he was on. There's, there's got to be answers. I think we're gonna hear a lot. Of, I mean, this is all happening during a, a big fight week. But next week, yes, there's a UFC, but it's in Russia, and no media is going to that. I mean, maybe <laughs> you know, it's just too far and too expensive. I know we're not sending anybody. I think that USADA <laughs> excuse me thank you by the way Fiasco Jones in the house doing a little bartending hey as well <laughs> <laughs> making his presence known as only Fiasco Jones can do but yeah next week there's nobody going to that St. Petersburg event no disrespect it's just it's an expensive trip to make for yeah. a car that's you know there's not a lot of English speakers on it I mean there's some decent fights on there but so I think uh, there's going to be some continued follow up with, with USADA moving Dave forward. is at this press conference this week mm, yep Talk about that. Uh, I will say, too, and it's easy, obviously, Cody Garbrandt's the number one, but can I just throw one more name out there? Hennon Burrell. Hennon Burrell went nine rounds with TJ Dillashaw, and most people believe he was never, ever the same because of those two fights. And, I mean, dude, like, what if, if – can you imagine if you could go all the way back yeah. then and you could test in and you could find out, oh, even those Hennon Burrell fights where he got absolutely ruined – yeah, he, was, I mean, he was he was on it then. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, no, not, I'm not trying no, to make no, no, an excuse, but I'm saying another guy that you know, as you said, Mike. I mean, it's those later rounds. It's that late brutality. It's 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 when your body has been through so much. That guy went through two grueling fights with TJ Dillashaw. I actually think if you're talking names that this TJ Dillashaw thing affects, I think Dominic Cruz. He must be thinking, thanks TJ for proving that I am the greatest bantamweight of all time. Thanks for just taking yourself out of the equation. That's going to be so hard, man. And see, that's another reason. comments on this. Yeah, oh. me too. <laughs> well, that's another thing. I mean, when you start having this excuse, do you just – so when you start having the discussion of, like, greatest bantamweight of all time, whatever, do you just instantly throw his name out? Because, I mean, what are the odds? And, it, it, and this is – I always hate talking about just guesses because you, you want data. You want to be able to test your – and you want to know for sure. Do you – I mean, what are the odds? It was just this one fight. You know, he just – this one fight, he's like, you know – I've been doing good, but man, if I'm gonna try this champ champ thing, I gotta step my game up a little bit. I gotta go with a little, gotta go with a little EPO. I mean, he looked very different on the Ultimate Fighter. I thought, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's it's so ridiculous, and it's it's wrong to. That's what I'm saying. It's it sucks wrong to, speculate, to do this, but you know? how can you not, right? But it's it's. So do you instantly rule him out? Like when you start talking about the greatest man of all time, do you just instantly go asterisk? No. And well, if that's the case, do you rule John Jones out? Do you rule Anderson Silva out? Do you? Well, the, the bantamweight thing—it was already close for me. Yeah. With Cruz and DJ, so it's easy to say 
Trey's now put Gomez. Yeah, no, I think uh, it comes down to what if he comes back. I think right now you have to call the entire resume into question, even though he's only failed for you know this one specific fight. Um, it's one of those things that you imagine. It wasn't. It wasn't just for this one. I mean, I know we're all speculating and everything, but yeah, if he comes back though in two years and puts in another body of work and that's kind of what's helping John Jones now like he came back he's winning fights again people have a very short memory they're easy to forgive in this sport in that sense like if he came back and put in a body of work and maybe even got the title back that would be huge for him and kind of repair things a lot but yeah Anderson Silva people have those questions because you know he hasn't want to fight since he came back from being suspended obviously he's way older and everything right. kind of just and it, his greatness was in a completely different era too where i think we all know pre-usada there was a lot of drug abuse going on in the sport and i think we just kind of have to accept that and you call can't really call that stuff into question because i think everyone was probably on it back then so it's like okay anderson was doing it but the playing field was more even in that sense right. with jones you know he as i said he's able to come back and you know build up some new stock and his whole thing i mean it depends how you want to look at it with this uh you know picograms and the pulsing and stuff you could if you have the certain opinion you could say this is all worthless right he's still cheating right now you could even argue but he's coming back he's winning fights he's able to compete if tj Dillashaw can do that it would help him a lot i just that's very difficult to see for him right now one thing i will say though that's something that you saw that hasn't necessarily done in the past they better test him from now until then yeah oh yeah oh yeah because they haven't done that a lot but yeah, yeah they suspend him. someone they, they should be showing up on his door next week yeah, let him just go scot-free for 18 months they, or so and but then they do that all the time I know. they go all right off you go john no they need to test him like you said Every week until then. But That'll yeah. go a long way. I mean, not only will it go a long way, it should just be required. Yeah, I mean, it's, and, it's, yeah. you know what I mean? If like, he fails, he's done, too. He would get four years four year. or potentially a lifetime, depending on how it goes. But so. this is the period where you, if, if you are maybe a less than scrupulous person, you'd think, well, they're not going to test me. I mean, obviously, we were all of the highest morals, and we don't think this way, so it's a stretch for us to think <laughs> how we would put potentially, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, think. But, I, but, yeah, I mean, if you're already busted, I'm on the ground. You'd have to wonder what advantage does that have for him, like continuing yeah. to do it. I, I suppose mean, so. He was already a champion. Years, so it's like, like your family gonna... finding out after you snuck out at night when you were a kid, and they're like, "Oh, you're so grounded. Get home right now." Like well, I'm already grounded. I'm staying out. I was, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was too busy in church at the time. Uh, sure, certainly understood. <laughs> understood. All right, well, listen. That that story's not over. Do you guys do you guys care what TJ Dillashaw has to say? I mean, he hasn't issued a statement yet. Does it matter? Do you care? I care. I mean, I'd like to. It, you know what the best statement he could be was like. I absolutely tried to cheat. I am that competitive. I'm working on it. Yep. I'm trying to be a better person. That's uh, If he's not going to say that, if he's going to come out and be like, well, you know, I heard he was on it, so I did it too. I got pressured by the demons. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. what was it? Like, you know, his molecular vortex <laughs> spoke to him or something like that, whatever that statement yeah, was. Yeah, that was a mad statement. But yeah, I, I just think he should come out and say, do the chill. I did it. I'm sorry. I, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. Like, that, that's, that's all you need to hear. I mean, I... I will fit. work to gain back your trust. Yeah, there's, no, there's nothing else I can do. If he tries to come out and it's a bit wishy-washy, like, well, yeah, I'm to blame, but also then, no, I mean, yeah, just don't go away for two years. All right, UFC 236 is the reason we're here. I am stoked for these top two fights, man. There's no other way to put it, man. I am torn on making picks. I love these two fights. Um, I don't feel like this card is blockbuster, super – and you know, listen. I, I don't. You know, I know people speculate on pay per view buys and stuff. I don't care. It's not my. It's not my <laughs> business to think like whatever. It's not my income that's on the line. This is the first one on on ESPN Plus. Mm. Got to think there's going to be. I mean, I think the UFC has done their best to get the messaging out and try. And, and listen, I mean, this ESPN partnership. You can't say it's bad. I mean, the the visibility we see on it, it's awesome. But you got to think there are going to be people 
on Saturday night who are confused, casual casual fans or whatever. Not that this is the biggest casual fan card of all time, but there will be, you know, fans who like the sport that aren't reading, the, you know, MMA Junkie every day. You know, there's people that just, you know, kind of like the fights and they're used to buying the fights and they know how to buy the fights. And you got to think there's going to be some confusion. So I think there will definitely be an adjustment period. But, you know, overall, top to bottom, I, I think this card is actually really, really entertaining. We'll talk about it. But it doesn't have that, you know, big superstar appeal. But... Uh, this main event, especially Max Holloway versus Dustin Poirier, the rematch, which is you know s you know seven years in the making, but who cares? You can't even talk about that first fight. To me, this doesn't even feel like a rematch. It's like a footnote in history yeah. that they happened to fight. I mean, Ma I remember the time Max Holloway come in as a twenty-year-old kid. What a it was so funny because you know he was the, it was a, it was a, like a tough finale card. So he was or, or, so I can't remember what it was, but he was he was at the they brought him to the media day for some reason. He was just like this scrawny little twenty-year-old kid. You know, and it was just like people. People thought that he had talent, but it was like, dude, he's getting rushed. He's putting a Poirier. Oh my God! You know what he's doing? And and, and Holloway went and, and uh, man, he fought well in that fight. He really did. He showed he showed little flashes of himself in the beginning, but Dustin Poirier was just Dustin Poirier. But that fight hardly matters. But um, I am I am stoked for this fight, and I uh, even as we sit here now, even as we sit here now, I I I'm think I'm sticking with my pick of Poirier. But I almost feel like it's just a homer pick because I like the guy. But I like Max Holloway, too. Yeah. I don't know how to break this fight down because talent-wise, striking-wise, either guy can win the fight. Poirier probably a little bit better wrestler, a little bit better grappler. But I, I don't necessarily think that he's levels above. You know, it's not like, oh, dude, you never did. So that's it. Size, Max Holloway moving up from 145. He's not tiny. People think oh, he should no. probably be at 155. Anyway, he's bigger than Poirier. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did – feel like he was a little slow and i'm talking about max holloway i felt like he was a little slow at the open workouts but i feel like my mind has kind of been poisoned now by you know the open workout he had when he was supposed to fight ortega the first time and like all of us were sitting around going what the fuck is going on right well, now like a one I, yes it's just i i feel like we're all in that moment but but i didn't see like he, but the guy that fought brian ortega in Toronto would murder just about anybody. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know how to evaluate what kind of Max Holloway is going to step in there on Saturday because, dude, you're talking about Poirier that has gone through a murderer's row of people. I mean, the former champions that he has beat to get here in these last handful of fights. I mean, that Gaethje win, dude, like – I mean, you beat Gaethje. You gone through the ringer, you know. <laughs> but In a now, war, you, fight a of the year, war, dude. You know what I mean? That was incredible. And then, uh, you know, having to sit down at the post fight because he couldn't even stand. I mean, amazing. But the Holloway that beat Ortega, insane. The Holloway that starched Aldo twice. And I don't care what you say. Oh, Aldo's old now, is it, bro? That's Jose Aldo, and you starched him twice. You know what I mean? And no disrespect to like, and I've always said this, like Conor McGregor, the the the, the quick knockout, amazing, right? Like nobody said, but not. And I'm not. I'm not taking away from Conor McGregor. Obviously, he beat both these guys, but I'm more impressed when I see somebody dominate somebody for one round, two rounds, three rounds, versus just like boom, one shot and done. So I say all that to say I think I'm leaning towards Poirier. I would not be shocked if Holloway. Not, not only would I not be shocked, I wouldn't even be surprised. I'd just be like. Yep. Uh, so you guys, I, I know we've been talking about it a lot all week because I think we're all excited about this fight. But do we have either one of you picked up on anything verbally, physically, something that that made you go, man? Here's what's gonna happen. 
Yeah, I mean, just with Max, I mean, I, I, it doesn't give me any firm idea of who's going to win because who knows? Like, this fight is ridiculous. <laughs> like, as we said, I, I literally know. flipped a coin and, like, it, you know, I could from minute to minute change my opinion. But Yeah, by just, the way, Mike Bond in his staff picks literally <laughs> flipped a coin. I watched him do it. He just literally flipped a coin. It was a tough one to call. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Coward. And, you know, the, but I just think Max is – and maybe it's the kiss of death. Like as soon as you kind of hear these guys talking about whether it's like retiring undefeated or I want to be the pound for pound best, that seems to be when they get knocked out in the next fight or something <laughs> like that. But for him, like he's just so locked in. His streak goes back almost six years now without a loss. Like it's he's on one of the best top five longest winning streaks in UFC history. Yep. That's amazing to think about. And he's setting the goal very high. He wants to be pound for pound number one and will do whatever he needs to do to get there. Like he. It seems like he just knows what he wants. He knows the fighter he is. He knows his strengths, his weaknesses. How fighting at 155 might change some of those things, we'll see. But it's hard to pick against Max Holloway right now. He's just so on point. Well, it's, it's you know you said, oh, what's the move to 155 going to do? It's rare that moving up hurts you. Makes them Especially worse. Yeah, it's so these true. Days. Do you know what I mean? And these so it's like, so what's he going to do? He's going to improve his cardio and make him punch harder. Yeah. And that guy, you know, he's already scary. But, I mean, for me, I mean, Mike's the stats guy, but when, when I think about this fight, I actually think there's going to be a new stat. I mean, most punches thrown, probably. The two of them are the most volume strikers around, and I can just... We sort of address that Poirier's got like decent wrestling to fall back on. Yep. But I think Poirier, as much as he is a smart guy, I don't think he minds being sucked into a bit of a firefight. Right. And I'm interested to see them... I think there's going to be some wild exchanges, because if... You remember, Max was... Max has this crazy ability to like switch stances, roll punches from almost within clinch range. Against Ortega, he was like right in his face, punching mm-hmm. multiple times. And I think Poirier was going to swing right back. And I'm interested to see. I think that might be where Max is able to just have the better movement to land more of those crazy volleys. I, I mean, You're right. when the fight was first announced, I thought I honestly thought, I was like, well, Max is going to smoke him. I thought Max is actually too big for a featherweight anyway. The guy who fought Ortega was one of the best fighters I've ever seen. True. And I thought he would move up. Poirier would be too small and, and when you see them Max is the bigger guy but actually it's not as stark a difference as I thought Right. and, and I, res- I really respect Poirier because uh, uh, again we talk about moving up look what the jump from featherweight to lightweight did for him yeah I mean exactly changed it. Like, if we look 8-1 since he moved up I mean if we look at the way McGregor like just knocks him out with essentially a clipping punch right I mean, he went through like hell in Gaethje, Alvarez, got cracked with shots, and he didn't, didn't go down. That, and that, I think, is probably a testament to how much a weight cut can take out of you. Yeah. And Holloway, you know, he's got that Islander, man. He's, he, you can't knock him out with a bat anyway. I, I'm just, I think, uh, dude, it's so fun. I'm I love leaning, it. Yeah, I'm leaning Holloway, but who, who knows? You know, it's funny, man. Poirier, I, I remember like those 145 days, you know, hearing the stories of like his meals were like six almonds and two, <laughs> two spinach, you know, leaves. Yeah. It's like... Oh, fuck he, he, he was killing himself. Forward, <laughs> like, yeah. what is Why? wrong with you? That cannot be good. So, all right, I love this fight. Will not be shocked if Holloway wins. Uh, but I'm, I think I'm leaning towards Poirier. And you know what? I think it's it's probably kind of a homer pick, man. I've always been a big Poirier fan. Uh, I mean, it's, it's so hard not to. I mean, these are two, like, I've never seen anything you put out on these guys. It's like, oh, the reactions are... I don't know who to pick. I wish neither of them had to lose. Like, I love both these guys. These are my two favorite fighters in the entire sport. Like, I can't really think of another fight where I've seen two fighters so endeared going against each other. And it's going to really suck on Saturday night to see sit on press row and see one of these guys walk past us just with their dreams crushed. Why'd you have to say that? Why'd you have to say that? Jesus Christ. But you know what? It's true. But it's very (laughs) true. true. And I'll tell you what, man. I mean, this fight is... 
and, and it sucks because this fight is so high level and so fun. But, I mean, listen, I'll, I'll, well, I'll give you a little peek behind the scenes. I mean, I can't say specifics, but our traffic hasn't been amazing at MMA Junkie. You know, and that's why I said this doesn't feel like a blockbuster card. And you know why? And it sucks because I think it's this day and age, and I don't know who you would attribute it to to cause this type of day and age, but it feels like everybody <laughs> wants entertainment value. You know what I mean? They want trash talking. That they want, pesky chael son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy, man, he really just changed the game. Uh, and it just feels like there's, I mean, but there doesn't need to be heat here. And, and, and Oscar, I mean, you see, you and I were talking earlier and you said it, man. You're like, dude, this is a hardcore fan's card right here. Like, yeah. if you're a fight fan, if you are a fight fan, there's no way you're not just rubbing your hands together and saying, oh, I love this fight. You know what I mean? Uh, but. It's not generating the casual fan interest because neither one was talking about their mom or nobody's talking. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It doesn't have any heat behind it. But but I find that incredibly refreshing. I agree. It's completely refreshing because in a in a day and age where um, you know conflict is almost manufactured sometimes mm-hmm. because it's a tried and tested you know system. It is. Fighters like to go to it. I, there's, it's now become the. Re- it used to be the refreshing thing, like wow, these guys really don't like each other. This is exciting. <laughs> and then at some point, it, oh, we found a real one. Yeah. Right? Oh wow, these guys are actually gonna fight. And then it switched to it's like, I, I said to you before, I was like, I just like it when two studs who are good at fighting look at each other and go, oh, you think you're gonna yeah. beat me? And oh, I think wow. I, let's have some fun. And I, I mean, this main event, that is literally what it is. It's like two motherfuckers who can go. Yep. And that's. I'm all for it. It's awesome, man. All right, let's do this. Uh, Mike Bond, since he's sitting down here, he had a chance to uh, speak with Max Holloway earlier today, and I figured, hey, why don't we play that little audio and, and let you get a little peek behind the scenes of uh, the young Mike Bond speaking with the young Max Holloway. Uh, Max, I feel like you really kind of turned a corner leaning into this fight. I know you had the really rough year last year. You came back, you had an amazing performance. Just how good does it feel to be back in the groove fighting consistently after that rough path? Feels good, you know, like I said, <laughs> You guys saw me before that uh, before that year last year. You guys saw me three times, and two years before that, you guys saw me four times each. So it's just great, you know. It's just great to finally be back. You know, this is this is what I feel like I was put on this earth to do, and I, I love doing it, and I'm glad to be here. Yeah, and you've talked about how low things got for you, both personally, you know, everything during that time. Um, how much did that help you mature, though, in hindsight? Now that you're past it, you got a fight under your belt. You're moving into another big fight here. A lot, you know, a lot. You know, it's not how you start the race; it's how you finish. You know. And uh, you know, you find out you find out who's really with you and who and, and who's really not, you know, in, in those dark times. So I was just grateful for everybody, you know, everybody's helping me, you guys, you guys always reaching out, a lot of people is reaching out for, for my actual help, not for fighting reasons and it was amazing, you know, it's amazing and um, I'm grateful, you know, if I could go back and change that, yeah, I wouldn't change a thing, you know, I, I had to go back, to, I had to go to there, uh, going through those things made me a, a, a better person, a better fighter, uh, a, a better father. A better, uh, just a better human being. Period. So I'm grateful for, the, uh, for what what took place last year. How do you stay so grounded? Because you know, over the past few months, a lot of outside the cage stuff, a lot of you know negativity, fighters doing certain things in their personal lives, all that kind of stuff, getting headlines. I've never heard a bad thing that you've done outside the cage ever. How do you kind of keep that that grounded level? My coaches, you know, there's a bunch of things that my coaches, my team, you know, if my. Uh, if I do some of the things that that's be get, been getting headlining, my coaches kick me off the damn team. Like that's just how it is, you know. Uh, me and my team, we, we share core values. Well, it is core values, and we all have the same ones, you know. So we stay, we stay level-headed. They keep me grounded, you know. I, at the end of the day, you know, I, a lot of these guys, they like they like cheerleaders. I got no cheerleaders on my team. None of them. Not one guy is a cheerleader on my team. They they check me when I need to be checked, 
and then you know they help me when I need to be helped you know and um, that's why I love that's why I love my team you know this I, I'm dead ass serious a bunch of things that that's going on today if 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 I did a bunch of those things I would get kicked out of my gym you know and it's not about loyalty or whatever it's just about values and valuing things and uh, that's why I'm grateful for the guys that the bunch of the group of guys that I'm with it's great to hear, and it's crazy you almost lost a full year there, but this is your 28th UFC fight. You're the youngest fighter to hit 20 UFC fights at 27 years old. Um, it's just crazy your pace. I mean, when you look at the end, do you think of a number, how many UFC fights you actually have? Is it 30, 40, 50? Yeah. Mike Bond always hitting us with facts. Oh, I love reading your facts um, and your records. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I want to fight another, uh, what, how am I, 28, like seven years? So I, I don't want to fight after 35, but we see what happens when we get there. Uh, but, you know, two to three fights every year, maybe four here and there and some of them. We see what happens, you know, we see what happens with the uh, with what weights they want me to fight and this and that. That would help, you know, if, if it's heavyweights, you know, I'll be fighting like five times a year. So we see. Yeah, and you mentioned the facts. Uh, I put that one out there that your 20th UFC fight, you've never been knocked down, and you joined John Jones and your Hawaiian BJ Penn is the only people to do that. Um, I know, I'm sure this is not something you really want to think about, but what brings on this durability? Is it a mental thing? Is it a physical thing? Like, how do you just, you know, you've taken some punches in the fights, but you've never been knocked down. I, I'm blessed, I guess. You know, I'm just blessed. You know, that's just that's as simple as that. And I think it just comes from culture, you know, the, the Hawaiian culture, some warriors. we got some gangsters, you know, and... Uh, you know, my uh, just I don't I really don't know I don't I don't know you know just some some people got it some people don't I guess I guess I'm one of the guys that got it and I'm grateful for it. And I can just see right now compared to when I talked to you on a Thursday when you're fighting at 145, you just look so much healthier, so much better. How much better do you feel right now? And just based off what we just said, the the durability that extra 10 pounds has got to help too. I feel good. I feel great. You know, and the 10 extra pound does help. You know, in in training camp, everybody you know this this fight at 55, everybody keep telling me like, oh, the size is different we're different we're stronger i'm like guys who you guys think i train with i don't train with 45ers you know i may be trained with maybe one 45er and then a guy lighter than 45 you know everybody else is like 70 85ers you know and 55ers so i've been here you know so i i just can't wait to show the world i just can't wait to show the world and uh, go out there and, and prove you know that the 10 pounds help you know more cupcakes and it's great and Dustin says he needs to mentally prepare for fight of the night and epic war. Just you need to go through that as a fighter to get ready. Do you? It seems like you don't look at things like that, that way. That you, every time you go in there, you might have to be leaving a piece yourself. You want to go in there and dominate. What's this difference in mentality between the two? Yeah, I don't know. I, the, the, you guys, that's your guys' job to figure it out. But you know, I just think of myself, dominance, dominance. I, I'm not going fighter. This guy's not my equal. I ain't trying to fight in there and go in like you're my equal. I'm trying to go in there and, and make you guys scratch your guys' head. You know, the last fight, all you guys were saying that was going to be fight a year. It was going to be a fight a year and this and that and blah, blah, blah and this and, and whatever. And and then at the end of it, I told you guys, I want you guys to be like, what was that? And a bunch of you guys was, you know. So I had to lift up some of you guys' jaws when I was walking past. You know, at the media table, all jokes aside, but that's just it. You know, when I think of the number one puff bond guy, I think of dominance. I think of someone just dominating, and that's what I want to do. The rumors are if you win this fight, unification bout with Habib Nurmagomedov in Abu Dhabi in September. What is that idea? You've mentioned them icing you. You want to go to Hawaii. What is this idea in general principle? What do you make of it? I always wanted to go to Abu Dhabi, so it might be cool. I heard they uh, we're going to get definitely some cool... Uh, every, everything go great, we're definitely going to get some cool... Uh, embedded and you know my I got a new YouTube drop and follow me bless him and man all Maxis 
we're gonna have some dope stuff, you know. They got indoor snowboarding. They got they got all kind of other stuff. They got jet. They got that jet thing stuff, and so we're gonna be up there early, probably doing some things that you guys are gonna be scratching your head. Why is Max Holloway doing that? But uh, it's what it is, you know. I, I, if if that's the fight, that's the fight. If it's a fight back down, it's a fight back down. I don't I don't care who it is. It, whatever takes me one step closer to being the number one pound pound fighter in the world. Put my name on the contract, I'll sign it. And just last thing on Habib, you had mentioned at the very first press conference that you are doing this fight because you had something to prove to him. You, why do you feel that way? Why do you, as a champion of the world, have anything to prove to anyone? Uh, you know, everybody keeps saying that's the guy that's the number one pound for pound. You know, the rankings and stuff got him right in front of me on three. But the whole world seems to think he's the most dominant, you know. And, and like he said, you know, when you talk about a pound for pound to me, is a dominant guy. He's undefeated, you know, and when barely loses a round. And that's a pound for pound guy, so if that's the guy, sign me up. Alright, welcome back to the MMA Roadshow. That was Mike Vaughn speaking with Max Holloway. Alright, listen, as pumped as I am for the main event, the co-main event is pretty sick as well. Kevin Gaslam versus Israel Adesanya. Um, a, a, a really, really good fight for uh, the, the interim middleweight title. And, and I should say, you know, we didn't really touch on it earlier. We didn't really touch on the fact that the main event is for the interim lightweight title. It's like, I, I don't even care. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's just, it's like, who cares, man? I mean, it's great. The winner's going to get to fight Habib Nurmagomedov, and that's awesome and all that. Hopefully. Like the, yeah, hopefully. But, <laughs> shut your mouth. Why do you keep running things, Mike Vaughn? Uh, Unless you live quite so relentlessly in the real world. <laughs> I'm jaded. Sorry. Uh, but this is for the interim middleweight title. Um, and, and it is, I guess, as much as I think we all despise interim titles. Both these interim titles do kind of make sense in, in their own way. Sure. You know, to, uh, I, I think you you know you talked about it uh, earlier today when we were speaking today, Oscar. Just to keep the divisions moving forward, it doesn't feel like it's made up and manufactured. Uh, here, of course, uh, Rob Whitaker was supposed to defend his title earlier this year, uh, was not able to. Kelvin Gastelum had his hopes and dreams shattered that day. Although he did, <laughs> although. He did walk around with Henry Cejudo's belt, which was awesome. And he got a lot of grief for that, by the way. Didn't he, just. You know, Oscar, you were down in Australia with me, and I know you and I were both saying, right move. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not necessarily the, the most popular move, but it's the right move. It's, you kept your name relevant. You know, hell, it ended up even being the promo. You know, Izzy from put the cage said, put yep. that belt down. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? He did the right thing. So I kind of hate that people have given him so much grief for it. It was the right move. Um, but now he is facing Israel Adesanya, this – I, I, a guy that I think we had all heard about uh, up and coming. I mean, people down in Australia were like, "Dude, you got to watch this guy, man. He's amazing." You know, and, and striking fans like, "Oh, this guy is incredible." But I mean, I'll be honest with you. Yes, I saw his highlights, and I was like, "Oh, this dude's awesome." But like, he's gonna get starched by people that can wrestle. You know, yeah. and sure enough, every step along the way, Israel Adesanya has proven to me that no, he's legit, man. He he is. A, he is I don't want to say a complete fighter. I mean, I, I, there are – no, I will say complete fighter. There are better wrestlers. There are better jiu-jitsu fighters. But he's not simply a striker. He does have a well-rounded game. Um, meanwhile, Kelvin Gaslam, you know, I've, I've said it many times, but I, I remember meeting him on The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, this was back when they used to let us go in ahead of time and interview everybody on the first day of filming. And I'm like, this dude has no chance. <laughs> this this little this little fat young Mexican dude with four kid, fights. Right? Dude. Like, oh, he was a baby, dude. He was the youngest guy. and He, he had like four fights at the time. I'm like, that's not going to work. Um, and then, of course, man, just his rise through the ranks has been amazing. I love this fight. I do, I do have question marks about Kelvin, man. I mean, I love his honesty this week of, of explaining that he's uh, he had a little trouble getting mentally prepared for this, and I totally understand why. Uh, meanwhile, it sounds weird to say I have question marks about Israel Adesanya because I'm sold on him as a fighter, but 
dude, like everybody needs a little bit of a break every now and then. Yeah, this man. dude is like, it seems like after every fight, he's like, bro, I'm just worn out. I've been promoting. I've been training. Um, I got a vacation planned. I can't wait. And then those a, itchy knuckles, dog. Yeah, and then a week later. Oh, no. That, as he says, a week, the, the itchy knuckles, that must be the name of his bank account. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> the UFC calls, and a week later, he's like, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it. So, But I am worried. I mean, at some point, does the mental burnout or the physical burnout manifest itself in his performance in the cage? So um, I'll just throw it out there right away. I lean towards Israel Adesanya. I'm sold on him. The size difference between these two dudes is – it is – I mean <laughs> – not that not that Kelvin Gaslam's ever bigger than anybody, but good lord, man! They, when they stand next to each other, it's it's a it's a bit shocking. Uh, Mike, t- talk to me about just kind of what you're thinking about with this fight, and uh, I don't know, man. Are you, are you are you leaning some way? Your excitement level, all those good things. Oh, really excited, definitely a, a great fight, a justifiable interim title fight. I think Kelvin Gaslam, to, just to circle back to that quickly, made the perfect move in Australia, bringing that belt. He was in a desperate situation. His yes. title shot was literally slipping through his fingers, and yeah. if Robert Whitaker was able to fight next month or something, I think he may very well have been passed over for Israel Adesanya. So he needed to do something in that situation, and here we are. He's got the fight. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's ideal circumstances for maybe either of them. I probably would have been nice to not hear the storyline about you know mental hurdles and trying to get over that stuff, but like you said, Izzy's kind of on the other side of the coin of fighting so often. Um, I can't give you the exact fact here, but like there's been, if you look at the guys who have competed this much in a small window, I think the three examples that stand out to me are Don Cerrone, Neil Magny, and Roger Huerta, who have all had like that five, six fights within 12, 13 runs, yep. and none of them have gone 6 0. Oh. It's always, it was right. Cerrone who failed in that last fight. It was Magny. Like it, it happens every time, and it's just maybe you just took one too many there, and yeah. hopefully that's not it. Like you can't turn this opportunity down, no. obviously. Um, you just got to take it. You got to go out there. It's not like he's taking massive damage in these fights leading up to this or anything. He hasn't been hit with more than 45 strikes in any of his UFC fights. And mm-hmm. the one that was more than that was Marvin Vittori, like his second UFC fight, which you could argue he lost. But anyways, that's, that was a crazy fight. That, that's that a, a crazy whole fight. different thing. But yeah, there, there's a lot to be excited here. Uh, Israel Adesanya is a guy I think we've been waiting to come along in this game for a long time, you know, to get excited about another potential face of the sport, got that really larger than life personality kind of, and can really sell. So him being a UFC champion, I think is kind of their wet dream right now. They'd really like that. Kelvin Gaslam has got his upsides as well, but I think this is kind of the Izzy show and we're going to find out if he is the real, real deal. We know he's good. He's probably a top, legitimately top six, seven middleweight, but is he number one? Mike Bond's edge is on point tonight, by the way. Uh, if you're down low, your hopes and dreams were crushed. Uh, if you're up high, it's, it's a wet dream. I mean, there we're, I mean, we're talking about just opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, it's, it's just statistics. It's just cold, hard collection. I go off the cold, hard facts. There you right? go. I, I yeah. think it. Um, for me, I actually think, and I said this to Kelvin earlier, I think uh, this interim thing has kind of been a silver lining for them. Either one of them was going to fight. Let's say, well, okay, so Kelvin was meant to fight Rob, but you could have argued either one of them could have slipped in and fought Rob Whittaker right. for the title. Well, now they get to do that, but they get pay-per-view points because they're going to have an interim belt on their hands. So they're going to have the same fight they're going to have anyway, but they're going to get a bit more cash in their pocket. So that's the silver lining. That's good. No, go ahead. I was, thinking, I was waiting to be just waiting for my hopes and dreams to be crushed. <laughs> I, I was about to shatter Kelvin Gosselin's hopes and dreams uh, if okay. you want to hear that. Okay, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say he's talking about wanting a layoff after this. That's right. I can extremely see a scenario where 
He wins the belt. He doesn't want to fight till later this year. Jacare beats Jack Hermanson later this month, and he's supposedly being promised a title shot if he wins this fight. <laughs> oh my! No God. matter what, and I can totally sen- oh see a scenario God. where I know Kelvin just beat or uh, Rob Whitaker has beaten Jacare, yeah. but still, like I could definitely see a scenario where Kelvin Gaslam is like, "I'm not ready to fight." The UFC's like, "Okay, oh we're moving God. on. We need to fill a card. We're going to Australia." And August. the minute the first punch is thrown, that interim <laughs> title is gone. Exactly. Oh. So like, I, I'm already, I'm already seeing Kelvin when he said that yesterday Jeez. at open workouts. I'm like, bro. I like, was surprised too. He was like, "Yeah, I'm thinking maybe September, October." Yeah, and then he's like, "You know, I want to do it in the states." Like, or we've Mexico already heard they want August. They like, come on, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're you're not dictating the shots in this situation, bro. Like mm. you're. You know, a great fighter and everything, but yeah, I can already see the the horror for Calvin Gaslam coming up unless oh. he just makes that decision. Like, I gotta fight because. Have you ever you know. thought about investing in a Grim Reaper outfit or something? Mike's <laughs> just really driving it home. Um, yeah, so the interim thing I think is like an interesting side point. They're actually going to go in and make more money. I think, as as Mike said, it is. It's it's increasingly surprising that we see so many fighters come through, and every so often you'll still get one who's a little bit unique. And it's nice to see that Israel is a little bit unique. Yeah. He's a bit different than what we've seen before, and I think his activity is a big part of that. Like the guy goes away, he comes back, everyone's like, "Oh wow, this guy!" You know, you can watch him fight every weekend. Yep. You know, so exciting. And I actually think it's a, a almost a testament to him and the UFC's promotional machine that we're not bored of him. That's right. You know, because That's I true. I remember you, if you get overexposure to guys, like, could, all right, absolutely over, go away for a little bit. And I, I still find it very interesting. But I've seen comments where it's like for a while there, it felt like Ben Askren was on my my screen every two days. Yep. And you run the risk of boom roasted is now boring, and it, it's you overexpose you overexpose some people. Yep. With Israel, it's almost like he just has the perfect layoff every time. So I think That's a good point. Man. Yeah. So I think he. Well, I'm a very smart guy, <laughs> uh, but I think he. I think I'm picking Israel. Yeah. I think he beats Israel. Uh, I think he beats Kelvin, and I think they they will try and make that Whitaker fight as soon as possible. Absolutely. And Israel has admitted admitted today that he's already thinking about that fight. He's acknowledging Kelvin. He's but you know he's he's just planting the seeds, as it were. Yeah. And I think you know you were saying earlier, John, that pay per view events overseas doesn't necessarily translate well to pay-per-view buys over here but with this ESPN deal now oh, they don't need point. pay-per-view buys now point. so they can just throw them anywhere you know that's maybe they could even hold events in Ireland who knows we just don't know yeah. but they you know they can it, that doesn't matter so much anymore and point. I actually think that the visual of an 80,000 seater arena with Israel and Rob wins whoever wins that fight is going to be if, 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 if Israel won that fight and we're getting way ahead of ourselves now and it's no disrespect to Kelvin but if Israel won in front of 80,000 people guys a big deal that's no cool. and you know the other thing too is, as you're talking about it, it's funny because you know we're talking about, oh, I don't really care about the business side of it but thinking about the business side of it like Australia and New Zealand are still pay-per-view markets. Mm-hmm. They don't have ESPN Plus. They it's it's a lower yeah. price, and those are they're granted they're tiny markets compared to the United States and, and Canada, but they are still pay-per-view markets that aren't affected by this ESPN Plus deal. So as you said, I mean, they, it, I've talked to journalists, I've talked to everybody, everybody that I know that I've t- asked in Australia, and New Zealand. I'm like, could they sell out like a like a like a stadium with this fight? They're like. Pruh. Immediately, yeah, like yeah, you, yeah. you don't even have to put anybody else on the card. Like it'd just be a one fight. They're like, yeah, it's getting sold out. So that would be a massive event, as you said, man. You see people selling out stadium. You know, they they get the rub. And I, hey, Rob Whitaker could use the rub too, man. I love that I guy. Think. He's a stud, dude. The fight. I mean, 
10 rounds with Yoel Romero, you're a beast. <laughs> For real. But he's not a guy that loves to do PR and loves to interviews, and he's he's come more comfortable with it. But So both of them could use the rub either way, you know? So uh, it's interesting. But you know what? But you know what? If Kelvin came out there and starches Israel, I feel like he gets the rub too. It's true. He'd be like, oh, you guys, you guys really continue to overlook me? <laughs> like that, he could do. Yeah, that'd be strong. All right, I, I, I'm leaning towards Adesanya as well. Um, but, I, again, you can't underrate Gaston, dude. His wrestling is going to be a big play. His power is going to be a big play. Um, I, I love these top two fights. Cole Coffee doing the Billy Strut over there, just obviously an honor. That's of trademark, sir. In That's trademark, sir. <laughs> yes, but it's trademarked by, <laughs> by Vince McMahon, I believe. No. Uh, all right, listen. Uh, okay, this fight card is really, really very much about those top two fights. But I just want to point out real quick uh, the, the Eric Anderson Kalua Roundtree kind of featured fight, if you will. I'm super stoked about this fight. Both guys have had mixed results, um, but I think both guys are are very uh, capable fighters. Eric Anders has reinvented himself by going to Factory X, which I think is a phenomenal academy there. Mark Montoya, a great coach. Meanwhile, Khalil Roundtree went out to uh, Thailand. Um, and Khalil Roundtree, I mean, he's a Vegas guy, and I think that's one reason I've always been really interested in his career. I had a chance to call some of his fights uh, under the Tough Enough banner when he's an amateur, and, of course, I've enjoyed watching him come up a little bit. But he's a guy that I think has the physical tools at all time, but it's very, very much about his mindset. It's very, very much about his mentality. Um, and he, he said that going out to uh, Thailand not only was great physically, but it seemed very, very good uh, mentally for him. It, it seemed kind of spiritual as well, man. So uh, I had a chance to sit down with Khalil and talk to him about uh, you know doing his camp out in uh, in Thailand. And uh, I want you guys to have a chance to hear it because I, I think it's it's pretty cool. And, man, i got to get out to Thailand someday. I've never been out there, and I really want to go out there. Sam, should we go? I want to do it, man. I want to go. I wanna, <laughs> dude, it's funny, man. I mean, quick story, but – the whole reason I started down the path of being in love with mixed martial arts was when I was a little kid, I liked wrestling. I was about seven. I found out pro wrestling was fake, and I was like, ah, damn it. You know what I mean? Like, this is my favorite thing, and now it's fake. Like, ah. Uh, and then a couple years later, uh, Guy Mesger was opening a gym in Dallas, and he happened to be a friend of a family friend, and we went to his gym opening. And in the gym opening, he had a VCR on a TV playing uh, Muay Thai from Thailand. He just had Thai tapes on it because it was a kickboxing gym. This was like before the UFC, before that. So you didn't have MMA gyms yet. Uh, and it was a kickboxing gym, and he was playing Muay Thai tapes. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, holy shit, this is what real fighting looks like. This is amazing. And because that's so Muay Thai is what sent me down this. Um, so I, I do want to go to Thailand one day and see it. It's funny, I've got a few Thailand stories, but none that can be repeated on here. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. I, I, you, you can talk about your uh, helping with the uh, the churches there and, you know, education yeah. of second languages. and things. You can, don't, we'll, we'll get to it another time. I, yeah, under, yeah, yeah. I understand the type of stories you were leaning to, uh, but we just don't have time for it right now because we need to get to Khalil Roundtree. Khalil, you went to Thailand for this camp, man, and, yeah. and, and prepared there. And it, it seems like it may have been a, a life-changing journey. But how, how did you get out there? Why did you end up going to Thailand? Uh, the main reason was after the Johnny Walker fight, um, I realized, like, in the clinch, man, I had nothing. You know, like, obviously he was big, he was tall, strong, everything. But um, when I watched it from, like, a technical, you know, like, perspective, I saw, like, damn, I got shut down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was strong. Everything that I had learned from MMA coaches or whatever in the clinch, it, it just it didn't click. Not that it didn't work, it just didn't click. So um, I had some free time. I was kind of down in my spirits. So I'm like, I've always wanted to be in Thailand, so I went there to, to go learn uh, some techniques. That's awesome. <clears throat> What's the experience been like? I, mean, I think you know, you're a Vegas guy. You've got, you got the Performance Institute. You've got 
several top gyms with amazing training partners. So what is it about Thailand that, that would you say is better or that's been valuable to you? Um, one thing that like that drove me to go there too was um, I, I knew a couple guys from um, from the states that had been to Thailand before like um, uh, Chaz Mulkey and he hung out with like Kevin Ross like those can't stop crazy guys you know and something about their discipline before they would train they would run you know and then they'd come and hit the bag and, and kick pads and stuff like that but that's just how they did things and I was like they got that from somewhere. I know, like, and I knew they went to Thailand, so I was like, maybe there's something about that place that just brings out this certain, like, hunger and discipline within fighters. So, um, uh, yeah, man, I just, I wanted to go there. I wanted to get a taste of that because I needed to pick myself back up after that loss. You know what I mean? And, like, I, I didn't, I couldn't rely on anybody to be like, oh, it's okay, you'll bounce back, all this stuff. Like, I had people that were very supportive, but, like, internally, I had to bring myself back up. You know, I had to find something for myself, and that's been a dream to go there. So I went there, and, and I found it. Yeah. What's the experience been like? I mean, I've been, I've been following you on social media, and the, and the pictures and stuff you've been posting are amazing. It looks, you know, very Spartan kind of lifestyle. <laughs> it's different than being, like I said, in the PI or something yes. like that. But what's, what's the experience been like? Um... So I went to this gym, Pet and and I chose that place because they had the highest, like the highest level fighters. But their facility was also pretty like PI esque. They had like a hot tub, ice bath, things like that. Um, so that was cool. But the experience itself is like eat, sleep, train. You know, it's like that's it. Everybody there wants to train. They can't help but training. Um, so in the morning, it's just like grab breakfast, train, grab lunch, train, you know, take a nap, train again. And um, there's just something about that place that just, it brings that out of you. But the people are amazing, very welcoming. Um, Thailand is known as like the land of smiles. So it's, everybody's just like, just welcoming, happy, you know, like joking around a lot. Training is, is a lot of the guys like, it's very serious training, but they have so much fun with it. And so it brought a new perspective to just my love for what I do. I was able to embrace that other than just like constantly like, you know, the grind as everybody says. Um, and there's a different way to grind. You can grind and enjoy every bit of it. So um, I was able to pick that up and, you know, take that. And also just uh, like being in Phuket too. I was in Bangkok for a long time and I went to Phuket. And there's just, it's like a beautiful island. There's animals, there's elephants, there's monkeys, there's beaches and motorbikes and you know so like after training there's a lot of freedom for like just like exploring your mind your spirit real relaxation um there's just there's a lot of things in in one one country man and it's it's really good for the spirit i think it's funny that you use the word spirit because uh, you know i noticed that you posted like words of wisdom and stuff like that in social media so as, as i'm following your journey it seems like you went there for clinch technique, but I feel like it's been like some kind of, is, has it been kind of a spiritual journey for yeah, you? Yeah, it's, it's been a very spiritual journey, man. Like I've always been a spiritual guy. Like I've, I've, I've always just like explored many different religions and practiced and, and just in order to find just my own spiritual connection within. So um, being there, I met um, some friends that introduced me to, like, you know, like the Thai amulets are really popular there. They collect these and they, like, bring good luck and fortune and all of these things. And um, they just, they're really big on, uh, on a lot of the um, Buddhism. 
and so the temples are beautiful, hand, like handcrafted by these monks. It's like walking in the street and seeing monks, you know, like there's just something about that. It, it, it just like, you feel a little bit different. So um, yeah, I was able to, to really get some peace, man, some inner peace, um, some inner clarity. Yeah, and picked up just like regular practice of meditation and, and training. Just good, man. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess is is, is this going to be part of your routine moving forward? Do you think Th- I mean Thailand will be a part of your future? It's, it's training camps and such. Yeah, yeah. So um, when I went to I went to Phuket and uh, I just went to give Tiger just a try. You know, like world famous Tiger Muay Thai. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll give it a few days, and if it doesn't work, then maybe I'll fly back to the states for this camp. And um, I got there and and I just saw like there's like 60 guys on the mat. You got packs of guys from like Russia and Chechnya and like all these guys that you never really like heard of but they are top level you know so the MMA the grappling everything was great there on top of having just solid Muay Thai so um and the Hickman brothers are amazing so I think yeah I could be there for for a long time man I, de- I definitely wanted to go there and, and set my roots there for sure that's awesome man yeah. so it's been a great build up to the fight now we get to the fight what's uh what's the what's the feeling like ahead of time what do you think about the matchup itself with, with Eric I've said it before, like, I love the matchup, um, like, I've seen all of Eric's fights, met him in person, all these things, but um, I can't really speak too much on what type of matchup it'll be. I try to think about it all the time, um, just in order to give you guys something to, you know what I mean, to, to play off of, but um, I think that we're both very strong competitors, man. I think that we both are going in there, like, hungry, you know, coming off losses, um, you know, with 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 great potential. You know what I mean. The both of us, I, I, it's such, in my in my opinion, such an equal matchup um, in a lot of areas that I just like. I'm very excited myself to see how it all plays out. And um, yeah, I'd like before I used to be. I'm still hungry to compete and still want to win, and that's always the focus. But I think this time around, I'm like, man, I love this shit. Like I love this. You know, I, I love what I do. So. Um, that's something that I that I think um, is also exciting with this matchup is like I love what I do and I'm gonna do it to the best of my abilities and yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but just in sensing, I feel like almost like this is like a fresh start, like a, like a renewed vigor or or, or something, a, a passion. Do you feel like this is like a a new chapter in your career, a new chapter in your life? Um, I would like it to be. You know, like I I am I want to fight and win consistently you know like my career is I say it all the time it's been up and down sometimes they're like oh, he's on he's off he's on he's off and um, I'm really ready to to just be on you know and 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 stay consistent and, and even put out the same um, the same type of performances so that like you know they can be like oh this is his style you know because anyway um yeah man I, I think that it's a it's a good start it's a good New start, yeah, for sure. All right, welcome back to the Road Show. Khalil Roundtree, that dude is a handful when he is on point, but so is Eric Anders as well. I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. It's a shame that one of these guys' hopes and dreams is going to be shattered for the rest of their life. Uh, Dwight Grant versus Alan Jovan. Uh, I'm excited about this. Alan Jovan, uh, another guy that came through the tough enough system in Las Vegas. I saw him as an amateur, so I've enjoyed following his career. Meanwhile, uh, Dwight Grant uh, was incredible in his last fight. He had that brutal knockout. And he's had the interesting story this week of if you Google his name, 
uh, if you just Google it, it comes up as, as Beanie Siegel, who is a rapper, uh, who is also his real name is Dwight Grant. <laughs> and so the Google has instituted, I'm sure if you, probably MMA fans have seen this, but if you Google people's names, it comes up with like, uh, like a, a, a fight box, basically. Like they've got like their little fight, a Google fight module, basically. Um, and it shows uh, Dwight Grant's picture, but it says that Beanie Siegel is fighting Alan Joban. So it's been kind of funny. But Dwight Grant said he's a Beanie Siegel fan. Uh, I did ask him if he was going to walk out to the music. I'm like, that would be a chance to kind of capitalize. He's like, I'm a fan. He's like, that just doesn't seem – he's like, it just seems too contrived to me. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe you should capitalize on the moment. And the uh, the final main card fight is – or first main card fight, if you will, Nikita Krilov versus Ovent St. Pru. Nikita Krilov, a dangerous dude, uh, always in fun fights. Seems to have weird fights as well. Uh, he lost in his return to the UFC after leaving to go fight in Russia at Fight Nights Global against Ovent St. Pru, who uh, – has, has has had some ups and downs, but again, he's a guy that when he's on point, uh, can can be very dangerous. Uh, guys, out of that main card, anything that that you're really excited about, or one that you're you're looking forward to the most? Uh, yeah, Alan Jabam. I uh, yeah, I, I, sorry, I took a moment there to think. I was like, he is on the main card, right? But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alan Jabam. Yeah, I, he's been away for a little bit, but I I always. I always thought that you know he's a bit of a character. He's got a unique sort of backstory, and I think there's something in there that people can pay interest in. And as long as he gets a consistent run of fires, consistent good performances, I think you know he might not he might not win a world title one yeah. day, but he's always he's fun, man. He's in good fights, yeah, and he's, he's, he's good fun. dude. I mean, obviously, a well-spoken guy, man. Yeah. You know, handsome dude. He's a model on the is side. He, yeah. Is he? Is he a model? Did you know that Vince Sapru played football? Well, if you Did he it. really? Eric Anders also played college football. Oh, my gosh. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> the things you learn. That's crazy. Mike, anything stand out to you? Um, I mean, if I have to choose, obviously the title fights are number one, too. But I'm excited to see OSP and Nikita Krylov. I mean, yeah. those guys are always action fighters out there. The uh, rematch that everybody demanded, right? The world has been on edge <laughs> waiting for them to run it back. Exactly. Um, but Krylov, I mean, win or lose in there, it's a – finish every time it's been proven all all of his fights have ended in a stoppage so um you know you're gonna get something out of that fight whether it's him getting choked with something random again or him getting some revenge on osp but i think this is the barometer here of like how much does osp have left is he still capable of being a you know top 10 ish light heavyweight and then can kind of build from there if he gets a win but i think both of these guys really need a good performance. I mean, I don't think we're looking at any of them as like championship contenders right. in the near future, but if you want to keep getting relevant fights at 205, you got to win here. Yeah, I dig it. By the way, uh, look, let's just address it. I, I want to make the official thing. I, I don't see why it's been hard for people to come around to this, but you said, you know, getting choked with something r- random. Of course, oh, Vince St. Prue hit the Von Flu choke. Uh, St. Prue? Yeah, why, do pe- why, why can it not be – the Von Prue choke. I, I, I get it. People say they don't want to take away from Von Flew. He was the first one to hit it, so they don't want to take away from I get it. You can mix it. But OSP has hit it several times. Three times, yeah. You can't just – you can't just – and you can't change the name. And by the way, OSP choke is a stupid name. <laughs> so so <laughs> what is that? Yeah. I've heard something. It's the OSP choke. No, it's right there on – it's on the T for you. They're, they're Von Flew. St. Prue, yeah. Von Prue. Call it the Von Prue choke. Yeah, they were having a debate about this on the broadcast from the last event, I think I remember. I was in the media room, so I couldn't fully oh, hear really? it. But I, I felt like um, you know, Dom and DC, whichever event that was that they were all calling, yeah, were yeah. having some sort of debate over this, what it should be called. I think John Anik is trying to influence that and make what is it he either, leaning towards it's either the von prue or the saint prue i can't remember so but go with the von prue. Yeah. Show, yeah. show show uh, respect to your elders yeah you know keep the lineage 
but when somebody does it better, you got to update a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, what if Nikita Krylov loses to that technique twice? Oh, huh? That would be bad. <laughs> that, that would, would be, be real that bad. That would be really bad. Okay, listen, uh, this card, again, is not uh, loaded with, with stars, but it is, I think, loaded with uh, fun fights. Uh, Matt Favola versus Jalen Turner uh, is the featured prelim on ESPN. Jalen Turner is six foot three inches tall as a lightweight. It's just ridiculous, man. He's going to be a problem for anybody who faces uh, Alessandra Pantoja versus Wilson Hayes. Uh, a good fight there between ranked flyweights. Max Griffin versus uh, Zalim Amadeev. I'm, I'm sure I said his last name wrong, so I apologize. <laughs> well, once once we hear John Anik say it, because we know that that man puts his work in on saying it right, we'll get it right. Uh, but Zalim is a guy that uh, Ali Abdelaziz has been touting. He's, he's a dominant MMA guy. Uh, Ali Abdelaziz has been touting this guy as the next Zabit Magomed Sharapov, which um, I am, am all into, uh, no question about it. Uh, but Max Griffin... Um, Max Griffin had some bad words. This is, this is great. The full interview is up on, on uh, our YouTube page. It's on MMA Junkie as well. Um, but, you know, Max Griffin, I like Max Griffin a lot. Max Griffin, if you look at the people he's fought in his USC career, he doesn't have the best record, but he has fought monsters uh, in his run. And so I like him a lot. And so we just sat down with him. And I decided to ask, hey, what, what do you know about Zalim? Kind of assuming, I mean, this is an undefeated Russian newcomer. There's probably not a lot of tape on him. Or, you know, he probably... Kind of assuming I'd just get this answer of like, ah, well, I don't know much, but you know me, I'll fight anybody. No, no, no. Max Griffin's like, I hate this jackass. <laughs> like, this dude, he's a bully in the gym. Uh, he said that he was kicked out of Extreme Couture, which I'll have to follow up on when I get back wow. home, that he was kicked out of Extreme Couture for sparring too hard, like trying to hurt his wow. opponents. Um, he said that he went to 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu and was rolling and threw a flying knee at someone. He said he tried to fight Forrest Griffin at the USC Performance Institute. So uh, Sounds like a gem. Sounds like a gem. <laughs> uh, so I don't know exactly what is, is going on, but I, I am I am stoked for this. This was probably the one fight that I thought had the mystery in it. Now, I was because Ali Abdelaziz had been hyping this guy up. I was excited to see him. And I will say, I had seen this guy training in Extreme Couture, uh, and I had seen a couple of his highlight reels, so it's not like I'm completely unfamiliar with him, uh, but I just haven't seen a live fight. And I always like to see a live fight. You know, watching tape, watching training, it's two different things, man. I like to see a live fight. Uh, but now I'm, I'm really, really excited about this. And then... Uh, Boston Salmon versus Klee Taha. Remember, Boston Salmon, another tough enough product. We'll throw that out there. But a guy that, um, you know, made his way uh, to to the Ultimate Fighter through Dana White's Contender Series. Season 1, Episode 1, a long time ago. And uh, and is just now getting to make his debut. He had some knee issues that he had to get resolved. So he had some surgery there. And then his opponent fell out. So a long time to, to make his debut. But a lot of people in Vegas – and a lot of people in Hawaii are uh, are excited about Boston Salmon. Mike Bond, out of that ESPN card, what's uh, if you were telling people to watch one fight, to pay attention to one one guy, one story, one fight, what would it be? Um, on the televised prelims? Yeah, the ESPN. Yeah, ESPN. yeah. Um, I mean, I like the Max Griffin Zalim fight, but Boston Salmon has a lot of hype behind him. Jalen Turner. I think the aesthetic of seeing a six foot three lightweight is always kind That's of crazy. thing in in itself. Um, Pantoja versus Wilson Hayes, a flyweight fight that could mean something, could mean absolutely nothing. Don't know. <laughs> who, really, who really knows? I mean, there it, you are again, Mike. <laughs> Your win means nothing. Yeah, I mean, a win probably means you get to stick around in the UFC for at least one more fight. That's right. Unless it's the last fight on your current deal, then they might let you go regardless or not resign you rather instead of letting you go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, both those guys potentially fighting for their UFC careers there. So, I mean, none of those fights that are – 
jump massively off the page, but they're good fights. Yeah, we're they're, not getting a number one contender out of any of these. No, like no. That, but, I mean, yeah, there's 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 fights to watch. I mean, for Vola, obviously, you know, he's got the the Sarah Longo train behind him. You know, Steamroller. Yeah. He's got some vocal fans as well. But as you said, the, the six. Yeah, had a great Jaylen fight turn. with Lando in his last oh, time great out. Fight. So yeah, he's an exciting guy. It's just one of those fights. I mean, I was saying earlier, like these. It seems like Max Holloway constantly headlines these type of cards that has like maybe not like the biggest names in the world, but like fights you're gonna sit down and I think if you dedicate your whatever six hours to UFC 236 on Saturday night, you're not gonna walk away disappointed. I agree. What about uh, for you, Oscar. For me, it's uh, Jaden Turner. I I, I kind of like the guy's a bit quirky. I think uh, you know he's my weight, but also you know double my height. Um, so it's kind of interesting to just sort of stand next and be like, how do you? Exist? So true, man. And I, I think in MMA uh, throughout history, we've never like a we've never really seen a really lanky guy, sort of, with the exception of this. I think there's a guy called John Jones or something. I don't remember. But do you, do you never heard of him. him. Yep. I think he lost to Matt Hamill yeah. one time. Um, <laughs> but uh, like with the exception of him, like like all I think of when I think of like MMA reach, I just think of Stephen Struve, which yeah. unfortunately to Stefan Struve you're known Never for use not it, using yeah. your, your, your reach well so with Jalen I'm like let's see what you can do man you little freak <laughs> let's see what you can do with this body size and this body weight let's let's see So I, I, I agree I'm intrigued by him yeah he just, he just and, he, and also he I remember speaking to him in Melbourne you were there as well he came back to sort do the media scrum and he sort of had his hands behind his back it was very sheepish didn't want to say much he was like oh yeah I'm just sort of happy and it's like and and you like spiders? Fucking love spiders. <laughs> <laughs> spiders are sick. It's just like, love spiders. It's just interesting dude. That is amazing. Yeah. There, there, I think there's a great story of, uh, he's managed by Jason House of Remedium, one of the best managers in the game, but I think uh, he was staying as a guest at his house one time, and I might be mixing up the details minorly in this, but he brought a tarantula over as like a gift. And he's like, oh, hell like, no. Like, I love you, man. Like, you're, you're the <laughs> best hell manager. Yeah, he gave it to house. him, and apparently Jason's wife was freaking out. He like, get this shit out of here. And it well, was just like a I, whole I've seen scene. Videos but of letting the fucking things crawl over his oh, face. Oh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I ain't no, messing no. with that. I mean, Dude, he, should, he should go no, full Jake no, no, the no, Snake no. Roberts from like old school WWF and bring him into the ring. with tarantulas on the floor. They called me the Spider Man. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, dude. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Spiders scare the shit out of me. I get. I know people say fan. the tarantulas like aren't dangerous yeah, or whatever. No, they're helpful. Yeah. Don't you guys get some big spiders in Vegas like creeping around your? Oh, we your do. House yeah, yeah. yeah. You can. You can. Like that's why I have an exterminator at all times, my friend. Yeah. yeah. Right. He's coming out servicing I, on the regular. That's that one thing I can't be scorpions. Yeah. Too. Before I moved to fuck yeah, see, motherfucker. Before I moved to <laughs> Vegas, I didn't even think about the scorpions, and I'm terrified of them. And then when I got there, like, oh yeah, watch where you stand in the dark. I was like, shit, fucking terrified. Oh God. All right, yeah. listen, the early prelims, by the way, which are simulcast on ESPN Plus and USC Fight Pass. So uh, we did think for a long time uh, that you had to have USC Fight Pass to watch the prelims, but it turns out they're on ESPN Plus as part of the new deal. So if you want it, if if you don't care about the other organizations, I mean, I'm going to keep Fight Pass because I still want to watch Invicta. I still want to watch the, you know, the Titans. I, I, I love, dude, I love the grappling stuff. Quintet, I love. Uh, I, I, I love. Um, Shudo, do they still have Shudo on there? I, I, man, just, I'm not going to lie, man. Shudo and, uh, and Pancras, like, the time just sucks. Yeah, it's yeah, like 2, man. 3 in the morning. So I rarely, really watch Shudo's those fights. Shudo's quite good on fight. Island, Island fight's quite good. They got some Island fight's good. Yeah, good. They've had some good ones. Um, and I love, dude, I, I love the Eddie Bravo stuff. I love the Quintet, man. I love this. Uh, it's good. So I'm going to keep it. But if you only care about MMA and you only care about the UFC specifically, you can drop Fight Pass if you want because the, the prelims will be on the Plus. But uh, the key fight there for me, uh, no disrespect to anybody else there, but Curtis Millender versus Bilal Muhammad, dude, that's a good fight, man. That is that's fun. 
that's that's a fun one. So. Yeah, that could have easily been on the main card. Like, I, agree. I know It was kind of thrown together on a few weeks' notice, so I understand uh, those slots may have been filled. But yeah, that, that's a great fight. Uh, Bilal Muhammad just showed ridiculous toughness in that last fight versus Jeff Neal, who you know has a lot of hype around him too. It yep. seems like he could be a, oh, a player. And Chris Miller was on a, a big time roll before he just got thwarted by uh, Dos Santos in that last fight. So it's good work. Yeah, it's uh. Just crushed his hopes and dreams. <laughs> 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 yeah, it showed uh, needs to work on the ground game a little bit. But, yeah, I, I wonder if he's rushing back. I mean, he, you had a great interview with Millinder where he kind of talked about this is going to be the summer of grappling for him after this yeah. fight. He's going to – but, like, you kind of wonder in that sense, like, he's knowing he has to work out part of his game, but he's trying to take a fight here. Like, is he just trying to squeeze one in, get a paycheck, all those things. But I don't think he's going to have to worry. I mean, Bilal Muhammad will try to take you down for yeah. sure, but I don't think the submission threat is nearly what it was against Dos Santos. Yeah, I did have a chance to talk to Bilal as well, and I was like, dude, why, I mean, are you just, after what you saw against Zaleski do to him, do you just shoot in on him right away? He's like, dude, well, first of all, it, he'd be expecting that. So it was like, <laughs> I'd get caught. That'd be silly. Uh, he's like, but second of all, he's like, Look, I'm, I'm not going to sell out to one thing. I'm going to go back to what I do best, and that's being relentless. You know what I mean? And, and I agree, man. I saw him, uh, you know, I, I called one of his fights uh, coming up before he got to the UFC, and dude, just relentless, man. Just stays in your face, aggressive. And he's like, dude, I, I, I realize, you know, I've started to try to be too flashy. I've tried to do too much. He's like, no, 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 man. I just got to stick to who I am and, and what made me and, and what got me to the game. So uh, I, I respect that. So, listen, I do think this card, I mean, not, not being silly, but uh, sure, it's top heavy in the top two fights the ones we care the most about. Uh, but I do think we could get a very, very entertaining night of fights. You look at these matchups, I think I think we could be in for it. Ho- hopefully I'm not cursing it, knock on wood, but I do think uh, I do think it could be a fun night. I remember UFC uh, 206 with Holloway fought Pettis, mm-hmm. and it was like, uh, it's a bit of a nothing card. Yeah. And then it was like, Duho Choi versus Cubs once. Fight and then, yeah. Card of the year. And there was just like some insanity in on Toronto. it. Toronto. <laughs> I think I think we could be. I'm looking forward to Saturday, guys. We'll edit that last part out, Mike. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen. Uh, sorry that our man Cole Coffee couldn't jump on. He's been over there grinding, but we're gonna get a little and a half action this week. So hopefully, I can talk him in there. I know he's gonna be grinding then too, but we'll look. he's having some computer issues. I'll just throw it out there. He's having some computer oh issues. Oh dear, oh dear. So if anybody wants to, you know, chip in for a new, <laughs> give a him a free computer, a, a new work could be. If anybody has any connect, dude, if like if you're if you work for Apple and you can get free computers or like. You have the balls to knock off an Apple store and you yeah. can steal a computer. Uh, or do what those cam girls do and have an Amazon wish list on their Twitter or something. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how would you know about that? Mum told me. I was wondering, I was Wait, wondering where you were going to go to with be like the, the cam girls. I was like, and then you got to the wish list and I felt a little bit better about it. <laughs> told you I wasn't sure you. where you were going before that. <laughs> All right, listen, we got we to gotta, uh, get some dinner and we got to get ready for uh, early morning weigh-in. So uh, we'll get out of here for everybody. Thanks for listening.